Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. And at Rethinking Trauma and Transition, we challenge the stigma surrounding trauma and the healing through our podcast. We aim to empower those who are experiencing these challenges, providing them with the knowledge and language necessary to embark on a transformative journey towards a more fulfilling life. What are we talking about today, Rich? Bids and contracting. And that doesn't didn't mean a lot until you first introduced me to that concept, apart from, say, auctioneers and business or employment contracts. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, shall we share with everybody how we kind of start off? Because that's quite a nice introduction to that, isn't it? If, how we start off and how we prep for any working sessions or any activities we're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is courtesy of Caitlin Walker. Yep. And she comes from her systemic modelling, doesn't it? Yeah. In clean language with David Grove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's referred to or it's top it's called a clean setup. So it's about I suppose setting the boundaries and the parameters for mm-hmm. and managing assumptions and expectations. And it's also getting people to, you're understanding where the people you're talking to are coming from, and they're also understanding where you're coming from as well. So they're also, they're building a map of a map and a model as to how you're presenting that day. We use this pretty much every time we sit down to do some work together, and that means that over a course of couple of months or whatever it means that the process gets quicker we understand each other's preferred methods of working better and it has a set pattern expectation that we follow yeah it reduces that ambiguity Mm -hmm. after the process finish we do feedback as well so what worked well what didn't work well you know we could have done this better we could have done that better and it removes that judgment from those conversations as well and the barriers of communicating between each person. So will we share with everybody our our setup then? Yeah. Okay. So, Rich, for this this podcast to go just the way you'd like it to, it'll be like what? There'll be good listening. Mm-hmm. There'll be good conversation. Good questions being asked. And maybe a bit of humour in it as well. More than likely, yeah. So for the podcast to have that good listening, to have that bit of humour, to for it to go well, you'll need to be like what? Celebrating what you're saying and watching what you're doing as well. So it's then, I guess, not jumping in and trying and interrupting what you're talking about. So for the podcast to be fun and to be informative and for you to be calibrating and listening and giving me space and not jumping in, what support or resources will you need 
good conversation. You also to be listening and calibrating. And to enjoy both of us to enjoy this conversation so that our audience can get the most out of it. And what will you hear, see, and feel to let you know that everything is going the way you want it to? We'd have done this in one take and we'll be happy with it. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Happy with that? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Ali, for this meeting, go the just just the way you'd like it to go. It'll be like what? Well, quite similar, Rich. It will be very conversational. It will have a sharing of views, um, a bit of a debate, and some humour as well, but also some some good takeaways for everyone. Mm-hmm. And for the meeting to be exactly like that, and for those good takeaways, that good information, that feed, yeah, that feedback and humour, you'll need to be like what? I'll need to not get too distracted with the odd rabbit hole because you'd know I do like the odd rabbit hole and the squirrels get out of the, out of the cage and then then you know games of bogey. Um, I'll need to. Pay attention and make sure that I'm calibrating so that I'm aware of when there's a point that you want to make and giving you space to do that. And the conversation is two-way and inviting mm-hmm. that viewpoint as well. This podcast to be like that and for you to be having a two-way, not going too deeply down rabbit holes, those conversations, that's calibration. What's to be like that? What support or resources will you need? Well, your normal level of patience when I have my thinking face on, when I'm processing that, um, for that curiosity, because I think that that conversation has mm. to be both ways. So that's about you asking questions as well and and sharing your views. Yeah, that exploration because that exploration fires that thought process and then fires that conversation, and that's what gets the point. Okay. So, what will you then? Hear, see, and feel to know things are going in the right direction for you. Well, it will be a conversation, so there's a, a to and fro mm-hmm. between us as we're as we're discussing this. Um, that there's different, I suppose, viewpoints, descriptions, different metaphors, and different thoughts that we're sharing. Mm-hmm. That there's humour. Yep. Um, that it's and it's it's sticking to the points we're wanting to make. And yes. that also probably means that 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 again is and you know I regularly contract with this is is that giving you permission to pull me back if I go too down too deep down the rabbit mm-hmm. holes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So before we had this podcast, we were talking about bits and kind of how we represent it each. Yeah, and we were talking mm. about about how that clicks and links in with contracts. And I think basically what we've just done is set up a contract, really, hasn't mm. it, between us for this piece of work or this duration of this conversation. Yeah. Well, you put me onto the Gottman website. Mm-hmm. 
and on there it's got how to make a bid and the different types of bid. So that first one really is what we've done is then make a clear bid, isn't it? Yeah, in a way it is. So I suppose for MD that's not come across bids before, certainly when I came across them, I don't know if you were the same, Rich, but when I came across across the, the articles about it, it was kind of like a bit of a light bulb moment, one of those ones where it was, it was almost like somebody pointing at the obvious to me and me suddenly realising that I was looking at something from a different angle. And that's the, the, the different ways that the people in our lives make bids for connection with us because that's what a bid is it's, is it's a request for connection with the other person and some of them are obvious and some of them are not so obvious so what we've just done in setting up that contract is also a very obvious bid yeah and that's quite clear and concise mm-hmm. the way I was talking to or saying to Ali before we started this was how I was looking at bids is You've got an auctioneer and there's an object for sale. There's somebody who's got a paddle and they stick the paddle up and the auctioneer's put a price out. So they go, right, yeah, say 15 quid for whatever it is. Somebody else go, right, I want that as well. They'll put a bid in for that. And that's two clear bids. So somebody's gone, somebody else has gone, and the price keeps going up till obviously somebody's bought that or they haven't bought it. And that's that's how I was looking at it, is that clear, concise bid of what somebody wants and what somebody else is after as well. Yeah, I think the challenge is is that, and you now work a lot with people who are finding maybe their relationships problematic for different reasons in their life. And a lot of that sometimes is about those points of connection. So I think when you and I were talking about doing this podcast, I think one of the things that we were talking about was what particularly caught my attention in the information in, in the Gottman Institute was the study they did about the nature of really effective positive relationships versus those that were, I suppose, more problematic and more prone to to not last the course. And what they found when they did the study was that the the difference between the two was how often people, to use their language, turned into a bid and formed that connection. Yeah. And I'm very conscious when I when I when I started reading up on this, there was that moment where it was almost kind of like I, I did that timeline review of all my previous relationships and you could I could almost pinpoint where one or other of us in that relationship had t- started to turn away from those bids for connection and before it hadn't been obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are the really obvious ones, like, can I talk to you? Mm-hmm. Can you look over this email? Mm-hmm. Do you fancy something for dinner? Do you want to go out? Mm-hmm. Would you want to watch 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 tonight? Yeah. How is your day been? Mm-hmm. Or it could be a tap on a shoulder, or it could be beckoning with a hand. Look, could you come over here, please? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be spoken. It no. can be like somebody reaching for your hand. Yeah. 
again that's a that's a, that's so it's almost like thinking about what's what's the point of connection and it can be a physical connection it can be a spoken connection it can be an emotional connection yeah yeah so those are more like clear bids aren't they yeah uh -huh. and there you've got a choice over whether you take the hand you respond to the question about what to watch for tv what to eat for dinner whether you want to go out or that's the ones that sometimes people discount because they are so obvious sometimes maybe we don't engage fully we don't make eye contact we don't look up from our phones we maybe give a half response because we're involved involved and engaged in, what, in something else that we're doing and we don't turn towards that person literally as well as figuratively to respond to that bit yeah a typical answer would be give me five minutes i'm doing something else well, that give me five minutes, I'm doing something else, actually is almost kind of like a, that That in itself is a positive response because it's not devaluing the bid. No. It's just time-binding the response. But it could be something like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Which is really offhand, very dismissive, and says I'm not really engaged in that question at all or that or that connection request. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking of it more a case of, Give me five minutes, and then hoping that person will then forget about what they, they were asking. Because <laughs> that five minutes for some people is two hours, three hours later. Well, that's it's a like different. Going, it's like going down the pub for a swift pint. <laughs> and there's never going to be a swift pint. <laughs> it's an oxymoron in itself. But if you think about it, though, in a way, some that's where our actions are just as important. Because if, because see when you when you say to somebody, "Give me five minutes," there's a secondary layer there. What you've now done is you've created a contract. Mm. You've built an expectation. You've built an agreement that says, "I can't have that conversation or response you just now, but I will in five. So that means that when that becomes that quick pint, so to speak, actually you've got you've got a double hurt there. Mm -hmm. Because you that person not following through with what they say they're doing. Oh, you've got the rejection of that bid now, and you've got the breaking of the contract. Yeah. So that's like a double hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's also fuzzy bidding. Fuzzy bidding. Yeah. So again, I'll go back to mine auction house. Mm -hmm. They got these two. They got these people making a certain bid, definite bid. And then there's somebody else who comes up and they go, do I want that? Do I not? Do I want it? Do I not? And they're kind of holding up the auction because they're not really sure. And the auctioneer just, just ignores them because they're uncertain in their actions and people aren't picking up on what they're after. So that could be where the context or the intention is ambiguous. Yeah. Where the other party is not quite sure what that person wants from them. Mm -hmm. And their messages, they're not wording their message very well because they may be, they have, may have concerns of the outcome of the questions that they're asking. So that might even be things like a deep sigh, where you're really not quite sure where the deep sigh is coming from, whether it's just I'm tired, whether it's I'm irritated, or whether it's have you got five minutes for me? Because the mm. context of that 
doesn't yeah. isn't there. Bins on out again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other person's thinking, what level of engagement is required here? What kind of response is required here? Was that a throwaway comment or is that something that you need me to respond to? Or do I completely ignore it? Or do I completely ignore it and go, I'm not going to engage because then I'll have to put the bins out? And then you go into work the following day and go, has been nagging again. She's a right old moan, or he's a right old moan. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Try and try and get them to get get them to help. And what do they do? They just totally ignore you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So each each person then ends up bitching about the other one, but not actually having a proper conversation to themselves. Because the context and the contract has been unclear. Yeah. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, when you look at that concept of bids, what I thought was really interesting was that it doesn't necessarily always mean that these conversations have to be 100% harmonious. That's not the point. The point no. is, is, is the point of engagement. Because we all have disagreements. We all have differences of opinion. And that's perfectly fine. And that's perfectly fine. It's how we engage with that. And, and whether we choose to engage with that. Mm-hmm. And I'll go back to us. Mike's mentioned before, Paul Checky says something along the lines of if you're having a conversation, if you're having disagreement and you're not wanting to be there, say to that person, I want to have this heart centered connection with you, but at the moment I'm not ready for that conversation. I need a half an hour walk or any time away to come back and then we can re engage. And that again is contracting, then, and the beauty of that is you've now clarified the context. You've now been very clear in terms of your level of engagement and both sides of that connection are not left in a place of ambiguity because that ambiguity sometimes what fries our heads is not knowing. Mm -hmm. It's that solid ground, isn't it, to work from? Yeah. Uh And I think it's also about I don't know about you, but I always feel less anxious when I'm standing on solid ground and when I'm in a situation where I'm really not sure of context. I'm really not sure of intention. I'm not sure of outcome or what the possible range of outcomes could be or yeah. time scale. Well, that's then creating anxiety, isn't it, in yourself? Yeah. And would that come under things like gaslighting as well? Um, not maybe, necessarily. Maybe hedging towards it. Well, in some circumstances, possibly, yeah, it can be maybe the entryway to that point. But either way, it's not a very healthy place to be. No. And if you're consistently in that place in your relationships, then that that can have almost like incremental impacts in terms of your your capacity or your willingness to engage mm-hmm. what you end up with is a growing distance between you and the other person you end up with a, a a growing discomfort with engaging or making those bids for connection and that's when yeah. relationships break down mm-hmm. yeah so it's saying here as a cons- 
as um, conversation deteriorates or relationship can deteriorate is there's critical statements of you never home and I'm doing everything by myself. Mm-hmm. And that is a bid for connection. Yes, but a negative. Uh-huh. But even if it's a if it's a negative bid, there's a that's a hint that there's a conversation there that needs to be engaged with. Yes. Well, I think if it's coming out in a negative, people are more likely to disregard it but not want to be involved in that because again that can be seen as nagging. That can be seen as an attack on the person, a criticism. And if you're already standing on what feels like very unstable ground and you're not sure of the context, and then that's the feedback you're getting from the other person, then that feedback in itself can feel like a rejection when in actual fact it's actually a bid for connection. Yeah. It's just not necessarily as inviting as it could be. But let's face it, we're all human. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um- as I say to a lot of the guys I work with, it's always easier to be. It's, I know it's easy to me to say all this because I'm sat on this side of the screen rather than implementing it. <laughs> it's a damn sight easier than actually doing it. But it yeah. does, it, doing it, it, does, it is worthwhile pursuing that positive aspect. But if you think about it, Rich, I mean, that's what we do when we set up the contract every time we work together. Now, what you and I you and I find is that over over a period of time, actually, the contracting gets simpler and simpler. Yeah, because we're after basically the same or very similar things. Yeah, what it drives is a level of understanding of the other person's preferences, how you like to engage, mm-hmm. the th- sort of things that I know that I've learned that will that will give you the space it's almost like the observational stuff that yeah. where I'm learning how you think and how you engage so that both of us get better at that same as you are with me absolutely yeah. instead of saying these negative aspects you could turn it around to say look we haven't been together for you know a good few days now do you fancy going out for um a date night or do you want to watch a movie instead can you take a bit more time off work so then we can have, build this relationship? Yeah, and I think, but it's also sometimes when just because the connection or the bid doesn't seem positive doesn't mean to say that we can't turn it around. Mm-hmm. Because when we when we turn away from these things, what we build up is almost that that backwash of hurt feelings and that means that each bid is more likely to to be successively coloured by the previous one and that gets to point very quickly where where there's almost that a huge number of unspoken conversations that haven't happened because one or other party has significantly turned away mm-hmm. and those conversations the longer they don't happen the harder they become the bigger they seem yes. to become. Yeah. Become from a mountain it be, from a mold, it becomes a mountain. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whereas actually sometimes what we don't recognize is it's not actually a mountain, it's just lots and lots of molehills. Yeah. 
I mean, we're talking very much, and it sounds almost like we're talking about, I suppose, the, our close relationships. But that works. In, that's the work that happens in the work environment too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Well, not forgetting, not just the work environment, it's the bids and the contracts we do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And what is a healthy relationship like for ourselves? So am I going to bid with myself in the morning to get up early and work out, do meditation mm-hmm. and do that sort of stuff? Mm-hmm. Or will I do something a bit less negative and lie in bed all day? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's also, that's where contracts come into their own. It is, yeah. Because in those situations, when I look at those, actually there's an increasing level of unknowns, an increasing level of ambiguity in each of those successively rejected bids. It's funny, I was having a conversation with someone this week who wanted to knew they needed to ask questions and work but their big concern was that if they asked a question it would lead to more and what if the person didn't have time for more questions and then they they got to ask their questions but then they'd worry that because they asked lots of questions maybe this person now didn't like them and my response to that was we'll form a contract Mm-hmm. Because this is somebody that would have felt quite anxious about the thought of being assertive. If I'd used words like assertive, they'd have been like, oh, I'm not sure if I can do that. But because I framed it as a contract, this would be clear in what it is. So what if you structure that conversation that says, I have a question that could lead to more than one. Do you have time for me to explore that with you just now? Or, and this is the really powerful bit, or is there... Or is there a better time for you or somebody you could direct me to right now that could answer these questions? And in that contract, you've laid out the parameters, you've laid out the boundaries and the possible outcomes, and you've given the person permission to make a number of different choices that's not all about them having to fulfil the contract. So both of you now have a safe get-out yeah. yeah. That isn't about one person not liking the other, but it's purely about time and capacity. Mm-hmm. It is. And bring us up back Kaylin Walker and her workshop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is, was it autism? Autism, let's see if I get this right. ADHD, autism, sex and me, Yeah. And in it, they were talking about safe kink mm-hmm. and the boundaries within that. So you make a contract with someone, what's good for you, and then sort of exploring that in, in uh, what's safe for both parties. Yeah, because I think sometimes in our intimate relationships, those are the ones sometimes where we are less clear on the boundaries, we expect the other person to mind read have, almost mind read, to have that innate sense of knowing. Um, and I don't know about you, but you know, so far, much as though I keep trying my mind reading skills, not that great. <laughs> not that great. <laughs> well, sometimes we do finish off each other's sentences. <laughs> well, that, yeah. almost at that stage, yeah. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but at the same point, in those in those intimate settings, 
And the reason for, I suppose, the talking about neurodifference at the same time is because quite often there's a, there's a contextual ambiguity there's that that people can find really difficult to read and place. Well, that conscious kink piece means that by its very nature, what you have to do is establish the boundaries mm-hmm. and establish the context. And that is literally that contract you're setting up so that so that everybody can relax in that setting and knows exactly what the what the parameters are. Where you go into everyone in that setting, let's say so fingers part. <laughs> no, but hey, you took it there, not me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it is it's it's a clean setup for isn't it, for sex, basically. Uh-huh. But that's also a perfect example. Of removing ambiguity. Well, mm-hmm. what happens if we take that challenge of removing ambiguity and apply it to, to the rest of our relationships? That it doesn't have to just be about intimate ones, but can be about our friendships, our family relationships, all of those. And if we approach that with the, the goal of removing ambiguity, what would that do? I think it'd be a lot more freeing for people. Mm-hmm. And those hard conversations would still be there, but they'd be easier. They'd be easier to have, definitely. Well, I don't think they would, I don't think, we wouldn't get quite the, the sheer number of collected molehills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I think most people, when they are having those arguments with their partner, it's 80% of it is just round and round the same old argument, and they're not looking at that 20% of what is truly bothering them. Mm-hmm. They're hearing the expression of the heart, but they're not necessarily getting to the root cause. Yeah. And that's about context as well. And yeah, that impact. And being clear on on what each person wants to get from that and, and what they'll be comfortable with. And that also is about sometimes that we get it's if especially when we start down that route, those conversations can be really intense if we haven't mm-hmm. done that and we've let the molehills build up. Yeah. Again, it'd be that sense of trepidation of where is this going to end up? Am I going? We going to get split up? Or how will this relationship? evolve in a way or devolve mm-hmm. and, and my, I suppose my best advice is again is set the boundaries and, mm. and agree the contracts as you go into that conversation because that's about being clear on scope but it's also about recognising that there comes a point in that in that conversation where it's okay to say I know this is important and I know this needs to continue. But I've gone as far as I can with this conversation right now. I need time to have a think about it and time to reflect. Can we continue this at another time? Because that's not a rejection then. You've left the door open and the other person knows where they stand. So the contract's clear. The context is clear. And and that's very powerful for someone who may be neurodifferent. So you may not have been able to absorb that all the information may go on straight over their head, not understanding what's going, or they understand what's going on, but there may be too much information for that individual and they need 
that processing time because there's one guy I worked with and he said he had he gone through a process but it took him about eight weeks to work through and implement for himself and sometimes it's also it's also recognizing and maybe sifting through the emotions of those experiences as well because when when you're right in the middle of that you know you're feeling all all of these things but you don't necessarily have the space and the time to separate all of those emotions out to recognize them for what they are or to process what that means for you the individual in terms of your responses well that's okay to ask for a mm-hmm. time out then yeah because what you're not doing is shutting the door all you're saying is I need time to sort through what I'm feeling and what mm-hmm. I'm thinking just now and that's also because physiologically as well, the blood pressure will be up. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to the brain fully getting used in the brain. You've been a flight and fight and all those kind of situations rather than have that clarity of thought. Yeah. That also takes a huge amount of pressure off mm-hmm. because when you get in you get in the way of that, you get in the practice of it, not in the way, but in the practice of it. That a bit like you and I learning how each other prefers to work and how each other prefers to communicate our thinking practices. I mean, obviously mine are pretty obvious because, you know, I do the whole scanning thing and, you know, but you know what I mean? Mm. There's a there's a learning process in that as well. And when when we give that information to the other person in that relationship, we're we're opening up and we're giving them a window into how we process that information. We're inviting them to be more aware so that at a later date they can go, are, are you at max capacity right now? Do you need space to reflect on this? Shall we come back to this later? And what you end up with is an incredibly healthy form of communication because each person has learned more about the other and what the other person needs and is now respecting those, those boundaries, those the context in general becomes an awful lot more settled. Yeah, well, I'll pick up on that word you said, relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's called a normalisation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bore you with what normalisation basically means that word kind of gets stuck. So we give certain words a amount of weight. Mm-hmm. But these words like, say, love, respect, companionship, relationship, and a whole host of others, they can be put in a wheelbarrow like a brick can like an elephant can, you can't cut that around with you somewhere because that's a physical, actual object. Yeah. With these other words, like relation, as I mentioned, relationship, the question would be, say somebody says to you, I don't see the relationship going very well or I see the relationship in positive light. So the question would be to that person potentially, how do you want me to relate to you? Mm-hmm. Well, what is a positive light like for you? Yeah. You know, because do you... Sorry, Ali, it's changing that word relationship to how do you want to be related to? Yeah. Uh So it adds context, it adds a bit of movement into that word and it allows that conversation to go somewhere. Well, you're inviting further clarification, aren't you? You're inviting a removal of ambiguity because you're asking them to be very clear with you what their expectation is. Yeah. What they would like instead. You don't have to agree with it. You've got choices to make, but at least you'll be very clear. Mm-hmm. 
And that's always better than standing on shaky ground. Yeah. It's interesting because I don't I don't know about you, Rich, but I remember when I was sort of thinking about that whole kind of contracting piece and about bids. And I think I think I might have said already, it was that you you reflect back. And not only did I reflect back on on the bids and the relationships I've had over my life, but also in the contracts and when I haven't been clear on those contracts. And you can, and once it's almost kind of like once you wrap your head around it and you see it, it becomes incredibly obvious. You can start mm-hmm. to be much more aware. And I think as a result, you start to actively look to remove the ambiguity and be clear in your context. Definitely. You invite a different style of communication. Mm-hmm. You improve the way you communicate. Very much. Uh-huh. Yeah. And others will communicate differently around you as well, I think. Well, yeah. Uh-huh. But it also makes it much easier for people to say when they want something different, other than. Yeah, you're never home. Or I'm doing everything by myself. Well, you suddenly might find that the person instead is saying, I miss you and I'd like to see more of you. Yeah. I'm worried about the hours you're working. Mm -hmm. You know, so that instead of that, that expression of heart, you're getting something that's much more direct. Yeah. Or notice you're having bad, You'll go through a bit of a rough time. What help do you require? Yeah, uh huh. You seem really stressed. I'm worried mm. about you. And you end up suddenly realizing that a person's trying to help move that molehill yeah. rather than it being something you're avoiding. Interesting stuff. Very much so. Annie, so what are your takeaways from this? How do you sum up bids and uh, contracts? I think that's about being very conscious that I have the capacity to shape what I see and how I see it that helps that other person communicate better with me. And that now I understand the shape of a contract and how I can shape a contract and how bids are shaped then I can choose to pay more attention to them, mm-hmm. to ask more questions. What about you? What's your takeaways, Rich? Be clear and concise because that fuzzy bidding, that fuzzy language mm-hmm. puts people in a, on, say, quicksand. Mm-hmm. Or, or near to it, or they might be on a marsh and not sure where the next firm step is to be. Mm-hmm. So that clear, concise, positive language allows people to have a solid foundation on which to work from. Yeah, definitely. And it's as well, it, it's okay if you need to go away and to process something and then to come back. But make sure you Say in positive ways, as I mentioned earlier, what Paul Check says is we want this heart connection, but I'm not ready to process or ready to, or, or not yet able to talk about this. 
particular issue and problem. I think that's a lovely phrase. I think it's very, it's very gentle, but I mm. think it's also what I'm hearing you say is is about a conscious choice, but about communicating that conscious yeah. choice and mm. asking for that space, letting the other person know. And again, that's another contract, isn't it? Is yeah. letting another person know that that's important, but the space is important too. Mm-hmm. And the final bit, I suppose, is do your best to phrase language in positive mm. and not being seen as a nag or sometimes it may help. Well, I think we call uh, Yeah, but ask, look, can you please get that, take that rubbish out? Because it will be out, bin will be out in the, around in the morning. Well, exactly, isn't it? It's like, why hadn't you can just say it would be really helpful if you could? Can you please? I'd really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if you haven't seen your partner for a while and they've been working late, I've missed you. Can we go on a date night or whatever it is? Well, that's a bit, I suppose that's also a bit like um, how you and I work, isn't it? In a way that, that if we've got a shared piece of work we're working on, you and I'll often go, right, okay, which parts mm. do you want to be responsible? Which parts do you, do I want to be responsible for? Let's have a look at how we split it up. We're really we're really upfront about that. We have that yeah. conversation straight off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you do like what we're talking about, please do like, subscribe, and follow in all that good stuff. If you want to find out more, then feel free to look up Caitlin Walker or you can contact us and we're happy to have a conversation with you about it too. Yeah. Um, have a think about it as well. Huh? Have a think about the nature of your contracts, when you contract and how you bid. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to do any training with us, then we're more than happy and the links are in the show notes below. Mm-hmm. Feel free to reach out and do let us know what you think. Try it out and give us the feedback. Let us know how it went. Yep. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.